You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad, and uh, Some Rise, Some Fall is an independent community of songwriters, musicians, and creatives. And uh, the ever-evolving collective brings together artists and vocalists such as John Black, who we featured, I think it was back in June or July, Rowan, Anna Mitchell, Kevin Heron, Marlene Enright, and a large cast of musicians with producer Brian Casey, videographer Ali Glenn, and artist Riona Niriagon, all with the aim to interpret and reimagine songs for unique new recordings. And uh, Michael Fitzgerald, who established Some Rise, Some Fall Collective, and his goal was to highlight the transformative power of music and collaboration. And Michael is here with us, and Anna is here with us, coming to us from the Rebel County and the Rebel City of Cork. Um, thanks both of you for coming along. Michael, welcome. Anna, welcome. I'll start with you, Michael. Being the creative mind behind this, uh, give us a little bit of an overview of where you're coming from and what sparked this and how it came about. It started originally as an, uh, um, for our first album, as the, uh, almost uh, doing a mixtape of, of songs that have affected me over the years, Little Lost Gems. Um, we recorded that album with uh, the likes of Joe Wolf and uh, Hank Waddell and Annette Buckley. We, we did it with the view to um, picking songs that were basically, if you like, without being uh, overly precious, that were about the human condition, that, that basically were universal, very personal to me, but I always felt were, were universal. And uh, we released that album back in 2017. And through that, we got involved in a lot of community work because we used the songs to help mental health charities, to highlight mental health charities, to highlight the situation of refugees in Ireland. So all the proceeds went to the causes, but it's not a charity album. It's, it's, a, it's a music album, which is then used to channel some fundamental uh, universal feeling and capture that. The current album, No Simple Highway, is a much more ambitious project. And... In that, we approached a lot of younger songwriters and presented them with songs that most of them were very unfamiliar with and based all around the theme of love, loss and grief. And the, the project aim is to produce uh, a series of beautiful things that resonate with people but also help them interpret and deal with, with, with grief and loss but also emphasize the power of enduring love. Essentially, that's it. But it's, you refer to me as being the creative. I might have had the idea, but the key talent I have is to spot very good creative people who will drill into a song and find their own versions. And these aren't cover versions. There's total artistic freedom. Anna, on the five songs she does on the album, she just absolutely reinterprets them. And they sound like they're completely her own. And uh, I think that's the joy of it for me. So when you were selecting the songs, were you looking globally? And the other question I put to you then is because there was controversy around Christmas about a version of Fairy Tale of New York. And that when that was, it was Bon Jovi, I think. And when um, something like that was done, I know the questions were being asked. When you have a reinterpretation or reimagination at that type of level, that normally the composer, the songwriter, would normally be approached to say, how do you feel about this 
adaptation or disinterpretation. These are all uh, songs that have been out there. You know, we've obviously uh, we go and get uh, the rights to release the songs, but the selection process was they were songs. For example, one of the songs on the album, "When the Thought of You Catches Up with Me," I learned it through a cover version by the American singer Jimmy Lefebvre of a song by David Ball. And we were inspired by his reimagining. And that was put through a, an Irish lens and a Donegal lens with Kevin Heron. What came true is, you know, instead of somebody, literally, there's a line where you go down the highway, right? A long, lonesome highway. Well, in Ireland, you only go along a long, lonesome road. And hearing the song sung in the, the local voice makes them more universal. And actually, I think uh, it, it, all it does is it re-emphasizes the lyrics because somebody has approached it say 20 years later 40 years later heard it taken it in and what's come out is very much what they've mined out of the song so I think we deliberately picked a group of people who were younger than we did on the first album because again it gives a different view you know the sadness and loss affects you from a very early age and rather than have a true my lens at 60, hearing 21-year-olds, people in their 20s, reinterpret songs from a different age, some more margin, just breeds new life into it. We're not trying to completely reinvent them, but what we're trying to do is re-inspire them. The artists had total freedom. I don't think I, I once said, you can't do this, or you can't do that, or here's what I like about this. It was basically, I presented a long list of songs. If I'm honest, what I did was I already had the artists in mind, so the order in which I sent the songs to people might have been that I sent Anna the first batch so that she could pick her ones because I had at least six on my list that if Anna could record any one of them, I would have been happy. And she picked the first four straight away, so that was easy. So I then sent a shorter list to other people. Some artists who I approached, looked at the songs and said, yeah, we'll do it, but we'll do a straight version. And I think what was important that is that all the artists, as well as the musical voyage, they were all committed to what we're trying to do with the music. So people didn't go into a recording studio and do that. When we've been looking at the charities to, to support, people have prodded us in certain directions, and the artists have been very generous with their time but also very generous with their talent, I would say. And uh, you heard Michael there, and he says he sent you the list of six. Um, a little bit about yourself, first of all, and a little bit about your musical background. Yes, absolutely. I've been playing music for over 15 years, I suppose, but I really got into my own music about 10 years ago, and um, I have two albums. My most recent was released in 2018, and... I kind of, after releasing that album, I didn't really know what to do myself with my own music, and I kind of felt I, ne I needed a bit of a break. I've, I've played with lots of bands and artists over the years and guests and people's bands as a vocalist or a piano player or whatnot. So I was touring, luckily to be touring, and loved it for a good few years um, all over Europe, and I had a few stints in the States as well. And it, it was fantastic, but it came to a point where I said, I kind of need to grow up or get very successful. <laughs> one of those one of those things has to, has to happen soon, otherwise I'm not going to have a life or be able to rely on myself, I suppose. So it was probably easier to grow up <laughs> than to. So I took a little bit of, break, of a break and kind of just 
set up my own business and I was really longing to be creative again and do some more music but I didn't know what I was doing and I got a message from Michael asking me would he would I take part in this project and he wasn't even sure if it was going to go ahead he was kind of just putting the feelers out really at that stage and the timing was so perfect for me so I was like this is something that it's you know it's nice it's creative it's with other people and it's I don't feel like all the responsibility is on my shoulders and I don't have to keep pushing my own name. I think I love I love making music and I love recording, love writing and touring, but I hate promoting myself constantly, which is, you know, you have to do, mm-hmm. you just have to do um, these days. Um, to take, have that, to be a part of something is so much nicer than to have full responsibility on your shoulders, especially even in, in my experience of, you know, taking a band on tour, there's so much just pressure, pressure, pressure to make it work for everybody. Whereas now the pressure's on Michael, so it's fine. <laughs> so um, I can just be a part of it and, and enjoy it and be, you know, be involved. And it's a nice idea. And like he said, he said he sent me this long list of songs. And I had only heard, he sent me about 18 songs to pick, maybe four or five, I think it was at, was at the start, maybe six, Michael, I don't know. And I had only ever heard one of the songs from the list, which, like, I thought that I knew everything. <laughs> so I was like, wow, this is all new music to me. This is amazing. So I got a, disc- a whole new discovery of new music and new artists. I was, you know, meeting new people. I got to know Michael really well, and we just kind of really got on well as as friends. And I felt like we were in it together and to do something creative for the sake of being creative is much nicer for me anyway than to try and record an album for some sort of success or gain in the back of your mind, which is always going to be in the back of your mind when you put that much work and effort into something. You kind of feel like, God, I hope this this is successful. Um, I hope this project's successful too, Michael, by the way. <laughs> but it's from the offset, it was you know, your heart is in the right place and everyone is in it for the right reasons. And that's what was enjoyable for me, mostly anyway, from, from the get-go, if that makes sense. Before this, when you in your own albums, what genre would you have been described under? Probably alternative folk, but I I would have done a lot. Like, I, my, my heart is in country music, as in nice country music. <laughs> um, you know, I love sad country songs from female country singers and I suppose my music would be a modern version of that like my first album is all downbeat piano based sad songs (laughs) and then my second album is more of a full band rocked up version of that (laughs) basically but yeah that's one, one thing I found I like so many different styles of music and I sing so many different styles and play so many different styles that I found it hard to put a label or pinpoint a genre for myself, which actually made it hard for me to, to choose a direction in which to go for an album or for a th- potential third album. I don't know whether I want to do a soft rock album or a ballad album or a country album. And that's where my crisis of identity is, I think. So, Michael, when it comes then to putting a various artists' album out there, the challenge of 
getting that defined because within the, the business of music, unfortunately or fortunately, you have to have yourself pigeonholed. So yeah. when you are then striving to create the package that's going to arrive out at the end of February. What genre are you striving or how are you hoping to describe? The way I would describe it is uh, I I would be what's known as a deadhead, a big Grateful Dead fan. So if you're a fan of that music, then you listen to everything and you listen to variation because there's jazz there, there's country there, there's psychedelia, there's straight rock. So I grew up with what, in small c, Catholic tastes, which is, I just think there's good music, and what we've tried to do, and with the videos that have gone with the music, with the with the des- the design of, you know, we've done designs for each of the uh, each of the singles, each of the releases. What we've tried to do is market basically. This is music of high integrity, high quality ar- artists, high quality producer with a solid core, where. The songs themselves may be different, but there's a holistically, it's a it's a warm sound, it's a true sound, and it sh- it should appeal to music lovers. And the videos have drawn a lot of people in because obviously we've we've focused a, a, a lot in in those around getting the tone. But I like the fact we're not pigeonholed. It, it makes it more it makes it more difficult to market. But over the last year, you know, we've had some five and a half minute songs getting radio airplay, which we would have been told at the start of the project, that's an impossibility. Right. People like yourself, you know, a few independent-minded DJs in Ireland, both North and South, have picked up the music and anything we've released, they've played, and they've played it because they've liked the music. They've liked right. the songs. Anna was talking there about the songs being new to her. You know, our first release from the album was uh, The Rain Came Down and Everything, which is a, a Roy Wood song from a solo album. Now, anybody who knows I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every, every Day would not think of this haunting ballad. And it's absolutely beautifully haunting ballad. And Anna just breathed even so much emotion into it. But they wouldn't think of that. And then anybody who knew Roy Wood from The Move... Right, flowers in the rain wouldn't associate any of those three. They're just good songwriters, good songs, and sung with real feeling. And Anna didn't just pick up the songs. I mean, she all of the songs were her arrangements. And first time I heard a playback in the studio, Anna would tell you it was a bit a bit embarrassing that, that you know you, the band is there such. So Suggesting you know add a little bit more bass drum or can we have a 70s sound to the to the snare, and I'm sitting there with tears coming down my eyes, you know, out of my eyes because my instruction to the musicians was create some beauty, and that's what they did, and I think that that's the way we're marketing it. We've created what we think is a, a beautiful entity. It's got music across the wide range, but it's all about genuine universal emotion. We'll make the pitch, and the response over the last year has been good. It's really built in the last few weeks uh, because I think for the for an album listener, there are people who listen to tracks and there's people who listen to albums. For album listeners, number of people who've heard five or six tracks and are saying, when is the album coming out? And so it's something we have to market. But when I underwrote the project, I, I, I didn't care if we made a a profit on this what I cared was that was that we we produced something beautiful that if people heard 
they could relate to. And, and that's been the response. I mean, the Facebook videos that have accompanied the songs, I mean, I think we've averaged about 100,000 views, you know, from a standing start. Mm-hmm. And we've got people coming back to us saying, you know, I listen to this song and I watch this video every day because it, it helps me. That's a win for us. So, Michael, when you sent the list to Anna and then you sent it to the others, had you in your head, in some way, you obviously had, I would say, imagined that the selection you were sending her, because of your knowledge of or, or awareness of her music, felt that these would be interesting for her. And I'm putting this then for the same for John Black, for Rowan, for Kevin Hearn or Marlene Enright. Had you kind of taken a bundle of songs and said, well, these are Anna's and these are John's and these would be that and I'll send these ones to them and let's see what they pick from those because you felt that maybe their interpretation might work or whatever, that it fitted their personality. And I was talking there about a crisis, a crisis of identity. Anna's first two albums are beautiful. The idea for who I was going to have on the album is I went down to see a few gigs in Kilkee and various people were singing to get myself concert ready I listened to the albums going down the car on the few hours there and Anna's singing sparked off memories of songs for me so in, in that case I was suddenly saying okay I've always had this song I never thought somebody could really you know it, I, there were others on the list that I didn't think would necessarily resonate Funny Time of Year, the new single, I actually didn't think I ha- would find anybody who wanted it. It, it, was on my, it was on my list, had been on my list for a while. There was a, a song by Country Joe MacDonald, uh, well, it was Country Joe and the Fish, um, Talk Dream, that I, I didn't think there was a hope of, because the only recording I had was from the original 1967 album, which has a joke at the start and a joke at the end, and there's this potential of a lovely song in the middle, and I was saying, you know, I have to send it out as it is, but no one's going to respond. But then there were songs that I thought, you know, there were songs I could hear, Blues Run the Game, I could hear John Black's voice on that straight away. But uh, on the opposite side, I would have sent out, in the longer list, or, or later, even later on, I would have sent out an, an Island Jewel song called I Remember You. John had never heard it. I didn't think it was in, he, he would pick up on it. And John came back and said, when can I record this song? So it was very much, I thought some songs would naturally fit with people. I was writing in some cases in the choices. No, I think there was only one song in the album where I said to some, one person, I absolutely want you to record this. Uh, I did give Anna first choice because if you've got as, as haunting a, a voice as Anna, you're doing an album about love and loss and grief, then some of those songs are, nat- you know, are such a natural fit. But a lot of it was that, that I was giving them not to, not to just singers but songwriters. So mm-hmm. I knew that I, I knew that what I sent out wasn't going to be what came back, which was important. I think if you give you know there's some people who are you know fine cover artists, but that's what they are. Giving a song to a songwriter, they'll always add themselves to it, which is which is thrilling because, like as I said, the, the very first track on the album, uh, which is Thought Dream, which Anna sings. It just put absolute chills to me here, hearing it. And for me, all the, the backing invested in the project and the recording and everything was paid for, paid in that moment. I was already ahead. And that's what music does to people, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, you know, and that's, that's why music can touch people, can transform people in ways that nothing else can. 
and I think and I and I think I'm a great believer in that. The release is on Friday of the single, and uh, that is a funny time of year. And Anna, you're you're performing this. Do you want to tell us a little about it and introduce it? And we'll wrap up with sharing it with the listeners. If we go straight into it, I'd say at this stage, Michael, thanks for coming on. It's been brilliant. Anna, tell us about the song. And if I don't get to thank you as the music goes in, thank you also for coming along. So talk me through this one and then we'll go straight into it. Yes, uh, Funny Time of Year is a song by... Um, Portishead, sung by the fantastic Beth Gibbons, who herself is such a different singer and performer to me. So when I got the song, I knew that I would be able to put my own stamp on it um, straight away. And it's a song that just, like if you, well, when I hear a song like that, I listen to it probably 10 times a day until it just gets completely stuck into my soul. And then I started messing with it, I suppose, after that. So this song, um, there's an amazing um, band in, input, I have to mention, um, you know, Davy Ryan on drums, Hugh Dillon on guitar, and Hassie Brown on bass. They've all added so much to the song that it was so subtle and so tasty, um, which allowed us to be quite inventive, I think, at times. And Brian Casey, who produced it, um, added some beautiful touches um, and some amazing effects to the vocals at times and to the other instruments as well. So I'm very proud of it. And um, I think it deals with the theme of um, love and loss and grief very well. It, it can be interpreted in so many different ways, especially during this time. And um, with the accompanying video that's coming, you, you'll see, um, I suppose, what I mean by that. But um, funny time of year can be um, obviously a different time year for everyone. Um, so it's, um, yeah, I think it's a real uh, heart clencher. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay. And this is funny time of year. And, again, Anna, thanks a million. And the proceeds um, for the uh, is going to, to the aid of the Cork Simon community, some of the proceeds of this as well. So, uh, again, great that you're helping in times like this. Uh, again, Michael and Anna, thanks a million very much.